0: Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. You might have noticed that Pastor Trav and Amy are not here. They're speaking at Pearl Church in Edmonton. And so we got another great, amazing speaker that's walking directly behind me now. Uh, he's all the way from Southeast Alberta, Grand Prairie, to come speak thank to you. us. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome here. Oh, thank you. Tyler. Uh-huh. Good morning. So as per usual, I can see none of you because I'm right in the spotlight, which in my classroom is something I'm usually happy with, but in front of adults is a bit harder. Um, so I, uh, as a teacher, I get asked pretty often to uh, basically write reference letters for people. Um, there's a lot of reasons why kids are applying for positions at camps, or I've gotten somewhere kids are applying for new jobs and they send me an email saying, hey, Mr. S, can you uh, write me a reference letter? And I will tell you this much, I write an amazing reference letter. I will, I do a really good job if you, are, if you deserve it. <laughs> That's not the nicest thing to say, but it's true. Um, part of the reason why I get asked for these letters is because of my time over time seeing how these young people respond to authority, how they work with their peers, how they handle responsibility, like some big things. I get to kind of see the background of a lot of those things in these kids' lives. And so I sit in a pretty unique position in lots of kids' lives, which is a real big blessing for me. I'm like, I can't downplay that. The letter of Philemon is kind of like that. It's a reference letter. It's written by Paul, to Philemon about Onysius. So, um, it speaks, first of all, about the character of these two men, uh, and it speaks very highly of them. It also speaks to both, the, uh, both people's purpose in the kingdom of God, and it establishes the, ne- the necessity, absolute necessity of reconciliation for both of their lives. So, if this letter was written today, it would still be just as controversial. It would be super countercultural to the way that the world works today. We live in a world where we're kind of encouraged to divide from people who have beliefs or values contrary to our own. Uh, the world's divided for all kinds of different reasons right now. Um, political reasons. Uh, you're left or I'm right. We live in a world that's divided by race, religious beliefs, ethnic groups, sex. Pretty much anything and everything that I can disagree with you on is a really good reason for me to be divided from you. Um, and the the most troubling thing for me in my spirit right now about our current world is this: not just that we can be divided, but In our world today, we're almost encouraged to be divided from people. If you pay attention to the news, social media, pretty much any and every different thing that you can um, be involved with, they're all showing, encouraging, embracing division. So, we're encouraged to disdain other people, to be angry, to create separation. And so we build walls. We put up walls for a wide variety of reasons, some for personal well-being, some for anger, sometimes for resentment. Um, some walls, I will, I'm will i just going to quickly say this, some walls are healthy. Some of the walls we put up are healthy. They create stability. They create safety. They protect us and preserve us. Uh, um, but most walls, pretty much every wall I can think of, it creates barriers for growth as well. They hinder us from being uh, willing to explore the possibilities. We also see walls in the lives of others too. We see them, uh, we see the ways that they protect sometimes, but we also see the way that they can create um, <clears throat> barriers or divide divisions or the way that they hinder people from becoming what they can be. So I'd like you to think about a conflict that you're experiencing in your life right now. Hold it in your mind. Now I'd like us to think about the conflict like a brick wall that's being built between us and a person or group. Um, How do you build a wall? One brick at a time. Each of those bricks are moments in time. They're like actions, words spoken, love withheld. A bitter word a hateful comment, a cold shoulder. Brick after brick is laid down until sometimes the wall is so high and so thick that it seems impossible to change. Can you see the wall in your mind? The question for us today is how can we break down this wall? We need reconciliation. Reconciliation to live right relationships with others but also to be fully free to grow personally and in God so that we can take the next steps we need to. We probably all need to seek reconciliation or forgiveness for our parts. There's no guarantee that the relationship will immediately become perfect or that person will become accepting. Sometimes, and again, this is just me putting this out there, sometimes when you seek reconciliation or forgiveness, the person will not be on the receiving end and be, you know, jump right in with you and be like, yes, let's fix this. There will be times where you will seek reconciliation and the person will say, fine, you do you. I'm gonna carry on my way. And in this whole process, you have to be okay with that. You have to be ready to take your step and to do your right thing to break down the wall for yourself but also be able to accept the fact that some people are not in that same position or are not ready to take that next step. So, the letter Philemon demonstrates this perfectly. Uh, Here are a few things just so you can kind of get the background on Philemon. Philemon is, again, it's a book written by Paul to Philemon about Onesias. So those are the three main characters in it. Uh, It's written while Paul is in house arrest or possibly in prison uh, in either Caesarea or in Rome, so there's that. Uh, Onysius himself is a runaway slave from Philemon. Now slavery in that time, uh, we've talked about this before, was not the same thing as what we know of slavery in our relatively recent history in North America. Slavery was more of like that bond servant. It was a person who worked in a household. So uh, Onesius was one of those kinds of slaves where he worked in the household of Philemon. And Onesius was on the run. So he had ran away from his master, his... And he had possibly... we don't It's not really firmly established in here, but he may have stolen or may have taken something from Onesius. Uh, or sorry, from Philemon. Uh, and lastly, Onesius found his way to Paul, probably while Paul was on house arrest. And Onesius... Uh, became a convert. He accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior and yeah he gave us he gave his life to the Lord. Now one of the things I really like in here and I want you to pay attention to is pay attention to the way that Paul speaks about both of these people. So Paul starts out with a word about Philemon. He he sings Philemon's praise. So uh, Philemon is actually only one chapter long so this is pretty easy. Uh, Philemon, verse four says this. It's up there. Oh, there it is. Okay, wonderful. Uh, I thank you. I thank my God always, make me, sorry. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and the way and the and of faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you, for Christ's sake. For I have come to the sorry. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through your through you, brother. Oh man, I don't read so good. Um, so, with all of my stuttering and mispronunciation aside. Paul does a really great job of, first of all, acknowledging the greatness of Philemon. He sings his praise and he is very clear that Philemon is such a worthy uh, person to be carrying forward God's message in, uh, I think he's in Colossae is where he's actually living at this time. Next, Paul shifts gears. Once he has sung the praises, acknowledge the good that is in Philemon, the good that Philemon is doing in God's name in the place where he lives he shifts gears to the overall purpose of this letter, which is to talk about Onisimus. Onesius. So, therefore, uh, this is verse 8, therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, so Paul basically is saying, I could just tell you to do this because I have that authority and I'm allowed to just tell you what to do. Instead, he says, yet for love's sake, I would rather appeal to you, such i am since i am such a person as paul the uh, the aged and now also a prisoner of christ i appeal to you my child uh, sorry i appeal to you for my child onesimus onesimus man oh man whom i have begotten uh, in my imprisonment who formerly was useless to you now i'm going to pause here onesimus the name itself actually means useful one and Paul is making a little play on words here in verse 11. He is acknowledging that Onesimus was rather useless to Philemon, and he's using a little play on words with his name. So he says, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful to both uh, you and me. I have sent him back to you in person. That is sending my very heart. And I, hey, I'm gonna talk about this a little bit later on, but I really love the, I love the way that Paul Plays back and forth, and like really puts himself in the position of God in this, and is the is the is talking about how much he loves this lost Onesimus. It's just it really touches my heart. Uh, so I'm sending my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me, so that I so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything, so that your goodness would not be in effect. Uh, by compulsion but of your own free will for perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while that you would have him back forever no longer as a slave but more than a slave a beloved brother especially to me but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord so Paul is seeking reconciliation between Philemon and Onesimus because while they both have great potential to do God's work in their worlds neither will fully grow while either has resentment fear or other hindrances so verse 17 says if then you regard me as a partner accept him as you would me but if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything charge it to my account I Paul am writing this with my own hand and I will repay it now I'm gonna pause here Paul is again, he's using that exact same um, like the biblical story of Jesus where Jesus steps on the cross, becomes sin, and takes on the wrath of God, and like Jesus Jesus actually is the one that says, I'm going to take all of this ugly on myself so that you can be in right relationship. Paul is literally like that. that message there, that little bit. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand, I will repay it." That's such a powerful moment in this story because Paul is acknowledging that, you know, Jesus is Lord over all of this, and this is modeled so that the the day-to-day walking out of reconciliation can be seen by Philemon For Onesimus. It's just a really awesome piece to me. Uh, And then in the parentheses here, not to mention that you owe me. Uh, that, you owe, that you owe to me, even your own self, uh, as well. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, since I know that you will do even more than what I say. Paul takes that very godly approach to this conflict by modeling Jesus. And he also, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 14 to 20, he says, for the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, uh, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, now, uh, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might welcome the righteousness of God in him. This is the overarching message of the Bible. Undeserved grace given to us that we may return the favor to equally unbroken people. Not because they've earned it, or necessarily deserve it. Now, Anismus has to make a journey of some 500 mi- or 1,500 miles on foot with this letter in hand to seek reconciliation. It all starts with one step. We do get encouragement, though, in Colossians uh, chapter 4, verse 9, as Onesimus must have been forgiven by Philemon because it says that... Um, sorry, we... But, And because they actually call him useful, again, uh, in Colossae, they call him fear, or sorry, in the book of Colossians, they call him fearful and dear brother, or sorry, faithful and dear brother, not fearful. Um, So here's my encouragement to you guys in this. Whatever part of reconciliation you might be in, be like these three characters in Philemon. If you are a Paul, If you are the person that sees the need for reconciliation between two people, step into the brink. Be the brother or sister that steps in and helps resolve the conflict. Speak well about both people. Bring people together and encourage them to God-centered harmony. Be a Philemon, if that's your position. If you've been wronged, be loving. Be a doer of good deeds in the name of God, and a forgiver of wrongs. Be an Onisimus. If you're in the position of needing reconciliation, needing to be forgiven by somebody, acknowledge the wrong and be willing to take the step of faith towards reconciliation. Willing to be mentored and or corrected. So, Paul doesn't explicitly talk about uh, Jesus' death and resurrection. This is actually the only book where Paul doesn't explicitly go through the entire narrative of, like, Jesus' death, resurrection, and uh, that whole end of things, because he lives it out. Instead of talking about it, he puts his money where his mouth is. He lives out that gospel message and stands between the two and promises to absorb whatever might be owed to make things right. In Philemon verse 19, again, it says, But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it, not to mention that you owe me, you owe to me even your own self as well. That is, in a nutshell, Jesus being lived out, acted out by Paul. The, word encur- the world encourages you to division. But the Bible says in Romans 12, verse 18 if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Now, I'd like us to think again about that conflict like a brick wall. But now it's being broken down between us and that person or group of people. How do you dismantle a wall? one brick at a time. Each of those bricks are moments in time. They are kind actions, words spoken, love given. A loving word, forgiveness sought, a hug or a pat on the back. Brick after brick is broken down until sometimes that wall is gone. Now, when I was a teenager, my parents had this 40-foot-tall pine tree in our backyard. And that tree, when whoever had planted it, they had done the right thing, right? Kind of like we were talking about. Sometimes walls are there to protect us. They had tied a string around the tree, put a stake in the ground, done everything to be able to make sure that that tree could grow and do what it needed to do. Um, When we bought the house, when my parents bought that house, they didn't know that there was a string around this tree. And so over time, that string actually constricted the growth of the tree in that area. It prevented the tree from being able to grow. And sure, the tree ended up 40 feet tall. But one day, a large windstorm came along, hit that tree, and right where that rope was, the tree toppled, cut in half in its prime. When we let those walls stand, when we let those walls prevent us from growing, we put ourselves in that position where we can be toppled in an area because there is a weakness there. It's not that that tree died. That tree today is again about 40 feet tall. The day that that tree got broken down, it kind of stood there like this. It didn't know what happened. It didn't know why it happened, but it continued on afterwards and it's about 40 feet tall again. It's boughs that were kind of stuck out like this, came up and made a, new, a whole new tree. This is a time for, mo- for forgiving and reconciliation. It's a time for facilitating reconciliation. It's a season of moving beyond the walls we've made. God doesn't want us to grow limited by the walls we put up. God wants us to be reconciled and to reconcile so we can move unhindered in his power and love. He wants us to speak well of one another and to live in unity so that we can each live out our role in his kingdom. We can grow this city, we can grow this church, we can grow the lives of the people around us in his name, in his way, and in his power. So, thanks you guys. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.